I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talk to the Audience where this is always death. I am one of your hosts, Bob Mackey, still holding out hope for Stills Nash and Young, who's here with me today as always. It's Henry Gilbert, still not nominated for a WGA award yet. Rats. Yes. <laughs> who do we have also on the podcast as well? Hi, it's Nina Matsumoto. I'm here because Bob and Henry like me a lot, not because I am married to one of the hosts. Is that correct? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Even if you weren't married to me, you would have me on, right? It's it's been proven in the past. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. And yes, this is our weekly or sorry, monthly community podcast. Every month we talk about what's happening in the Simpsons world and in our world, and then we go over the questions and comments from the most recent round of episodes. If you're on the free feed, this is happening at the beginning of the month. If you're on the Patreon feed, it's happening at the end of the month. And welcome to 2023. And it's been an, an eventful year so far in terms of uh, tragedies, I guess. Uh yeah. The also we hit the ground running again after we got back to recording but also yeah as uh, as for uh, the holidays and new years they were also full of uh travel uh hijinks uh, but eventually we we had a good time yes and yes yeah. nina is here because she's a simpson expert first but also wife second <laughs> also had to be in town hello uh and that third yes yeah. i'm i'm here deal with it yes what i say and uh, nina will be uh so we're we're like a day before our live shows that i'm sure went incredibly well mm-hmm. yeah it's uh, you're hearing well actually if you're hearing this on the patreon we haven't done it yet on the free feed we just did it and you're gonna hear it next week but yeah we're uh, all excited for our delayed by an entire year uh sf sketchfest show we're doing with matt chrisman and uh yeah we've also we 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 had a little fun uh before yes we just came a from a, a pizza and beer dinner so mm. it's gonna be it's gonna be a looser show <laughs> uh by the way sketchfest shows we we sold out our first show so thanks to everyone out there for buying tickets and yeah two shows i uh, can't wait to do them i'm sure they went very very well i predict they'll go well 13 standing ovations <laughs> just like dumbo's clown show <laughs> i thought uh, the, they shut down the venue because of you guys. We were so good. They decided no more comedy. It's going to close forever. Let's get into news. A Simpsons news. Like I said up front, uh, a, a few sad news items and one from someone who might not be notable to you or like, I mean, was kind of below the radar for us or off the radar for us was a very important member of the Simpsons family. And that was uh, Chris Ledesma. He was the Simpsons music editor from episode one. He was from the very beginning until episode 734. He left the show last year. Uh, we assumed, you know, well, you know, early retirement. He's just moving on to different things. It turns out he was a little sick mm. and he did pass away uh, recently at the age of 64. But yes, music editor for like almost the entire run of the Simpsons up until recently. I'm sad to find out that that's why he left the show. You know, last year there were those very sweet pictures. I, I definitely saw Selman, uh, Matt Selman and Carolyn Amine share the pictures of it of them buying him a nice like retirement cake and uh cutting it with other you know simpsons characters and uh music notes on it it was out of nowhere like it was the obituary came out later but it was announced via the post credits on that week's episode of simpsons that it said r.i.p chris ledesma and it was him drawn into uh sit between the rest of the family and i was like wait i thought he just retired no like yeah i mean until we started doing research on the po- on the show for the podcast 
we didn't really know who Chris Ledesma was either, but he's he's a key part of The Simpsons history. Yeah, he's one of those guys like uh, Travis Powers who is just essential to how the show sounds, but is uh, to most people just like off the radar because he's not a voice actor, he's not a writer, he is a member of the production, and Nina's taking lots of photos of us. <laughs> For the Insta. Yes, uh, I'm in my typical podcasting posture, aka <laughs> Mr. Burns stance. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, yeah, the Ledesma thing, there were some fun stories shared afterwards. One of my favorites was seeing Mike Scully. He, he mentioned it on the commentary back in the day, but it was funny to hear me tell it of when you two came in to sing their part of the, the garbage man can that they weren't feeling it. And that Chris Ledesma, who is not a rock guy and wasn't like starstruck by them, just kept going like, come on guys, smiles. <laughs> like to, to say that to Bono and the Edge, two of the biggest rock stars alive and if you want to know more about his uh, career he kept up a blog until 2020 called simpsons music 500 just it's just simpsons music 500.wordpress.com you can also search for like chris ledesma blog to bring it up and it's an account of his time on the show and mm -hmm. yes it's probably the most uh you know personal account from his own voice you can read about like his time on the show and what exactly he did which was an instrumental role on the show yeah, I'm thankful that we have his blog to go by. And yeah, you know, it's not just about the composer. For most of it, Alf Clausen, like a uh, music editor, does a whole lot on Simpsons. And I'm sure the the person who replaced him uh, uh, is doing a great job. But R.I.P. Chris Ledesma, we, you did great, great work for the entirety of the series yes. up until last November. From the very first episode. Mm. And yes, R.I.P. Chris Ledesma, you'll be missed. Uh, we're still roaming the graveyard in terms of news <laughs> items. And another Simpsons connection uh, passed away recently, and that is uh, two-time guest star David Crosby, of course, of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. He was a guest star in both Marge and Chains and in Homer's Barbershop Quartet. It's when, they, like, a few times in season four, they got a person in and they were on, like, two episodes. <laughs> They're like, hey, as long as you're here, David Crosby. Yeah. But yeah, he passed away at 81, and uh, I forgot that he is the biological father of uh, two of Melissa Etheridge's children. That's right. Yeah. He's the donor really? for the... Yes, yeah. I forgot. Many, yeah. oh, wow. many a joke was made about <laughs> I this. I bet. Yes. Uh, I think people said, like, what, of all of the, like, I mean, he's a musical genius, not the most attractive man, but uh, <laughs> he was very brimly esque let's say. Hey, I love I hope to look as good as him when I reach his age. But he had uh, some great tweets. He was a good tweeter. Now yeah. Nina's standing up. We're going to narrate what she's doing. <laughs> Unprofessional off mic. Uh, no, no. I uh, and, and I think I learned who David Crosby was because of the show and the multiple jokes they did about his alcoholism which he you know overcame they were they were not mocking a man who was suffering from alcoholism they were they were doing jokes about his uh sobriety but the gag of like that he is lionel hutz's sponsor on the phone or that barney only knows him for his drinking <laughs> you're a musician yeah, yeah. Uh, that was more of a yoda voice i'm sorry it's been a long day there you go. Uh, it's pretty close yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah r.i.p david crosby and chris ledesma uh, so in happier news, uh, there was at least one new episode worth talking about. My Life as a Vlog, another interesting high concept episode where the family, they all become influencers and it's all told through interrelated YouTube videos. And uh, it features two notable drag queens now, Henry and Nina are part of the, the you're in the drag queen fandom i'm not not because i'm full of hate but because <laughs> i have too many interests i've maybe heard you, what you said about maybe you can talk queens. more about well i think they're too mean to each other yeah that's <laughs> all you said that, that's, that's part of the bit that's part of the bit 
let's all get along, drag queens. But uh, 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 what's going on here with this episode? Well, Nina knows Monet exchanging Bob the drag queen a little better than me. I, I've watched yeah. like every season of Drag Race. Wow. No, my my husband is the bigger Drag Race fan, but I I've gotten into it a bit through through my husband. But yeah, they it was funny seeing them. They've been doing this a lot this season, though. Of like, oh, we have a big guest star in the last thirty seconds. Like you're waiting the whole up. Ep- I was waiting the whole episode for Monet exchange and Bob the drag queen. And it's at the very end of the episode. Okay. Yeah. But, but the episode itself is an interesting one of every, the most interesting episodes to me this whole season are all of these stunt episodes or like uh, style ones where the entire thing is there's no opening and it's basically like you are in the first person view of a person going to YouTube and going on a bunch of interrelated videos. And by going this, this person's travel through a YouTube rabbit hole is how they learn the story of how the Simpsons became an influencer family and then hit their peak and then fell back down again and, and mysteriously disappeared as well. Also, uh, strangely named after the 1985 movie, my life as a dog. Oh yes. Yeah. It's a, that's, uh, that's the Al Jean connection, right? It has to be the, Al. I think it's a, a Selman app, but I think Al Jean still names everything. He's in the naming department, yeah, but uh, also uh, do we still call them vlogs? Do we? I think so. Well, some people must still call them vlogs, mm. right? Though, uh, if I was to say what my favorite bits in it were, I did, uh, obviously, as professional podcasters, I did like seeing Lenny having his own uh, Rogan-esque podcast <laughs> where he has on Mo and Carl, and they talk about, uh, they're, they're saying like, oh, I used to know Homer. And then there's also a funny bit of them going to an influencer house where the whole family is moved into and they're and it's incredibly fake. Like there's some there's some fun stuff in there. But I think the most interesting thing was just that it really was like, what would a character do if they had their own YouTube channel? Like what would Martin Prince's YouTube channel be? What would Jimbo Jones's YouTube channel be? It's it, or Millhouse. Yeah, it's a, it was a fun uh, conceptual episode. Hmm. Do I mean, any of them have mukbangs? Man, no, I don't think uh, you Homer know, I, should. I think there is a side. Homer does eat stuff in one of the videos, I think, but there might just be a mukbang uh, joke on the side. By the way, uh, mukbang or mukbang or whatever you want to call it's it. Mukbang. It's mukbang. Yeah. It's like it's like a, a uh, an eating video where someone's eating a lot of food. Just in case mm-hmm. anyone's know what that means. Yeah, the yeah. initial when it was first uh, on YouTube or whatever, like the idea was like, oh, if you're uh, if you're eating alone, you can watch this video of someone <laughs> eating with you, and you don't have to feel so lonely anymore. But now it's more like watch this person eat like like uh, twelve plates of food all in yes. one sitting. Yeah, it's it's gotten much more disgusting mm-hmm. uh, yeah and but, fetishy but yeah that was the only new episode of simpsons this month wow well there was a, there were a lot recently so yeah yeah there, uh, there's more coming in feb though yes uh another news uh the official simpsons spotify account just uploaded the full simpsons hit and run soundtrack some people are getting their hopes up in case you don't know simpsons hit and run was the 2003 uh, grand theft auto uh, simpsons game uh very good for that time i think if it's ever re-released people will think this was a good game for 2003 they're gonna learn their lesson just like Mario Sunshine once yeah. they got to play that. Oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> I still think this game is better than Mario Sunshine. Ooh, damn. I think so too. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, maybe I'll feel that. I haven't played uh, Simpsons in a long time. Uh, you know, I mean, Tapped Out is still an ongoing concern, but it's been 10 or 11 years. An they, ongoing concern? Yes. <laughs> what are you concerned about? Uh, it's been a concern for Fox and that it's like, we have we have too much money to count. Yeah, EA <laughs> makes way too much or, money. Or sorry, Disney too. now, I guess. Ugh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, I think the time has come for at least re-releases of old games. 
they're not going to make new ones, of course, but let bring out some of the older ones again. At least get it on Steam, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, so the fact that it's now on the official Simpsons Spotify is leading folks to think it's finally going to happen. Also, there was that remake, uh, fan-made remake that got a cease and desist, which sometimes that means that something's coming or sometimes it's the publisher just protecting their copyright. But yeah. we, we shall see. And another news, uh, we've got some award nominations coming in. So Treehouse of Horror 33 is nominated for an Annie Award. And uh, Girls Just Shauna Have Fun got a WGA nomination. And I guess the Emmy Award noms are not in yet. Well, that, that's yet. in the fall. So yeah, we've, got, yeah, we've yeah. got a way to go. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Oscars. <laughs> we just had Oscars. But yeah, that uh, that WGA one, I think, uh, Nina, didn't you like that uh, Girls Just Shauna Have Fun one? The one of Lisa uh, befriending Shauna? I've never seen it. Sorry. Oh, I thought you liked that one. I'm sorry. No, I haven't seen it. Let's okay. just pretend she has okay well it, that was the fun one where homer befriends uh chalmers who's shauna's dad and they like beer uh brew beer together but lisa befriends shauna and she's like wow i've never had an older sister before but some people were saying like oh maybe it's also like lisa doesn't understand she has a crush on shauna instead of like uh just wants an older sister type but, you know three of the six nominees uh at the wga for animation are the simpsons yeah it seems wrong i think they yeah. should watch more tv <laughs> i mean maybe one or two is fine but half the noms being the simpsons i, I think there should be more shows on there honestly. Well, also you know since you mentioned the oscars i forgot to add it to this it's not really simpsons but the best picture animation nominations came out today and yeah it's uh Okay, the nominees are Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On movie, Puss in Boots The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, and Turning Red. Okay. So, sea Beast? I've not heard of this I've Sea never Beast heard one of this. before either, no. Uh, it's it's a CGI one as well. I'm, I'm not sure about it, though. Everybody keeps telling us. We've Thank you to everybody who's telling us to see the new Puss in Boots movie. I'm going to... I'll wait till it's on Peacock, but... I'm going to uh, see it to know how to handle a panic attack. <laughs> it's, it's funny that that Velma show is also about panic attacks, too. <laughs> like, it's just... Uh, everybody's uh, suffering panic attacks, and now the, every cartoon character is showing us how to get through it. But, no, I mean, uh, I... I'm rooting for turning red, but I do need to see Pinocchio and oh, it's so good. Uh, and uh, and also now Puss in Boots to really judge what should win. Though it'd be funny if it won best An if Turning Red won animated best picture and Everything Everywhere All at Once won best picture because both are just movies about like my mom apologized to me <laughs> like <laughs> at long last. Yeah, long last. <laughs> uh, moving on, uh, new analytics reporting uh, says that The Simpsons is still among the most watched stuff on Disney. Disney Plus, yes, very popular. Uh, this is something that Algie likes to cite a lot, which is true. I, I, I would this would be a feather in my cap if I was running The Simpsons, and that mm. it's a very popular show on Disney Plus. We're, we're we're creeping up to the renewals in in like February, right? It should be pretty soon. Like I would think that analytics getting put out. Definitely helps Al Jean uh, in their pitch to get renewed again. Yeah, the question is, does Simpson gets renewed on Fox just as usual? And then they keep going with this. Or, you know, could Simpsons move over to ABC, which Disney owns? Or will it just go straight to Disney Plus? But certainly there will not be a stop to new episodes. I feel sure of that because they are just doing so well. Even though there's that great joke in the Krusty Becomes Ellen episode where Lisa asked Bart, like, hey, aren't you mad? 
right about this? He's like, hey, you know, when there's 700 episodes of Krusty already, well, why even get mad about what the new episodes are like? I can just rewatch those 700 over and over and over again. It's true. So uh, congrats to The Simpsons for remaining popular uh, 34 years into your run. <laughs> so on The Ringer recently, there was a recent interview with Conan O'Brien about Marge vs. the Monorail, which is coming up on its 30th anniversary, I believe, like this November or something. And, uh, and Alan Siegel wrote it, who he's one of the best. Uh, he, I cited him a lot for our Lisa the Greek podcast as well. He does uh, some really good Simpsons interviews with fresh coverage interviewing people. He doesn't just go by the commentaries. He actually looks them up. So, yeah, I want to spotlight that, that he got in touch with Conan O'Brien. And a lot of it, if, if, if you are me and Bob, you've heard these stories before from conan but there's a couple new little things sprinkled in there and it's it's fun to hear conan's fresh eyes as a man uh who i think is what in his early 60s now yes uh what how he remembers writing uh marge versus the monorail today oh sorry january of 93 we are at the uh the 30th anniversary well, there you go yes. yeah it's 30 years old this month i wow. apologize <laughs> for my vast ignorance so yeah ch- check out that on the ringer by alan siegel so let's go over our news that's happening in our world. So uh, we're going to be posting this month's What a Cartoon a little bit late because right now we're in the midst of like dealing with a live show. We're catching up with uh, a lot of travel that we've been doing over the holidays. So we're, we're a tiny bit behind, but we're catching up. So this month's What a Cartoon will be about the Fleischer Superman cartoons, Mechanical Monster, and the Arctic Giant. And uh, yeah, so look for that at some point in February as soon as it's ready. And we apologize for the delay, but we're very busy right now with our, our double live shows we're doing and some other things as well. And But we're going to give this to you in February. So look for it then. Yeah, both are very easy to find on YouTube because of the public domain of all of the fl- classic Fleischer stuff from famous studios. I've already started a little research on it. It is the first Superman cartoon and that had influence on pretty much every superhero cartoon that followed it. And because there were cartoons, we're doing the safe ones. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. One of the titles of the cartoons you can't say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was... There was a war on, you yes. know. That's, uh, that's, that's the excuse, but <laughs> that's what's happening in February for What a Cartoon. Again, uh, look for it when it goes live. Uh, it'll be happening in sometime that month. Uh, moving on for our $5 and up patrons, of course, there's Talking Futurama and Talking of the Hill. Talking Futurama will be covering Less Than Hero, their superhero pastiche, coming in just before superhero movies take off again. So it's mostly parodies of uh, the old Batman series. <laughs> we get to talk about the work of one of our favorite directors, Susie Dieter. Yes, which is she's a lot great. Of fun. And then on Talking of the Hill, we're covering uh, Pregnant Pause, the beginning of the very short uh, Could Peggy Get Pregnant Again arc. And uh, yes, technically Peggy's Headache is the next episode in the run, but we covered that for What a Cartoon in 2018. We're not going to be covering it again. We're just moving right on to Pregnant Pause. So that's our explanation for that. Nearly five years ago, we did it so yeah. yeah let's if you want to stick to the uh stick to the chronological thing if you're on the patreon it's easy to just search for peggy's headache you will find the old what a cartoon we did back in 2018 yeah and there'll be a link to it in the show notes oh, yeah, for pregnant yeah. pause so you can just click on that and find it but it's it's very available <laughs> uh and moving on our what a cartoon movie for february will be uh tying into our what a cartoon for that month the batman superman movie world's finest and you can find that on HBO Max as three distinct episodes. So episodes 16, 17, and 18 of season two on HBO Max are the Superman, Batman, World's Finest movie. Yeah, and it's season two of Superman, uh, just to be clear. not not uh, It's not, even though it should be in the Batman section, 
they technically were produced as Superman episodes, so they're in the Superman section of HBO Max. But yeah, World's Finest was released as a full movie on VHS uh, back in 97. And this was the, you know, first meeting of Batman and Superman in that universe. I loved it when it first came out. I think it holds up pretty good. And it is full of lovely TMS animation. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> and a programming note for February. So we'll be posting separate vocations next instead of the next season 13 episode because because that way we're going to finish season 13 and season three at the same time. And I am furious. Yellow will post the after uh, separate vocations. So yeah. yes, we just want to end them at the same time. Yeah. So the order right now is you're hearing this next week's our live show week after that separate vocations also with Nina. Uh, and then the week after that is I am furious. Yellow also with a really great guest too. And uh, so, yeah, we're, but that, and also, Later down the line, in a couple months, we're also going to double have to double up a couple season threes, just because season three is four episodes or three episodes longer than season thirteen. So it's just how it works. We know you like it. Yeah, no (laughs) one's going to complain. We, you know what? You want us to start season fourteen before we get to season four? No, I don't think so. So now we're going to be talking about what we've been playing and watching that is not related to podcasting. We do some things on the side, people. And as for me, in terms of playing things, uh, only a few things because I was doing a lot of traveling and playing uh, one very long game that I have played before. Uh, (laughs) So uh, in terms of new stuff I've been playing, uh, Vampire Survivor, an amazing game that's hard to explain unless you play it. But the good thing is it's like $4, so you can just download it and play it. My description of Vampire Survivor is, what if Hades fell down the stairs? (laughs) Because it's it's Hades, but like kind of stupid, uh, in that you are it's a roguelike, in that uh, you have like a little character, lots of weapons, lots of attacks, but you actually don't control your attacks. You just move around, and your character auto attacks. And it sounds like it'd be boring, but it's somehow not. And it's becoming a phenomenon right now. It's like the most played game on Steam Deck. Man, I, you know, we now have a Steam Deck too. I was meaning to play it when I visit, but the Steam Deck's with my husband. It was my gift to him for, for the holidays. So I'm going to be playing it the next time I am in uh, in town with him, for sure. It's, it's lots of fun. So also, I bought a Steam Deck and I was so busy, I barely got to touch it, except when I started traveling, and we'll get into that later. <laughs> uh, and it's like, okay, I need to play a long game that I can just like, you know, like uh, lose myself in. So I, I started a new game of Fallout New Vegas, which I played when it was new in 2010, in fall of 2010. But now I'm playing the DLC. I'm getting super into it. I don't need to tell you this is a good game. Uh, H-Bomber Guy has a great video about why this is a great uh, Fallout game. But uh, I'm I'm so into it. I'll probably be playing it for the next two months exclusively. I'm just waiting to Fallout <laughs> New Vegas. And it is now a retro game. So there you have it. And also, uh, Nina and I uh, were playing in together in Vancouver Escape Room Simulator, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a co-op game in which you are in a number of different escape rooms and you do escape room style puzzles together to solve the puzzles. And you liked it, right, Nina? Yeah, I've never done an actual like in-person escape room, but you said the experience is pretty similar. Yeah, I mean, they can, you can obviously do more with like uh, actors and, you know, things on video monitors and mm-hmm. stuff. But in terms of like the logistics of how an escape room works, it's pretty much the same. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like the, the puzzles are fair, I would say. They're challenging enough and they're satisfying. Like once you figure things out, you feel smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My only complaint is you have to do math outside of the game sometimes. Like uh, get out your calculator. a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're in an escape room, you can also, sometimes they let you pull out your phone and do a calculator app or well, something. Well, like I'm a huge math dummy and I've uh, been able to figure things out. I, I only did an escape room once and it wasn't good but it was 
a forced activity with coworkers that I w- wasn't enjoying at the time. Team building, website. yeah. Huh. So, and of course, the fractures in our our co-working relationship come out during that, where I just go like, I just no, I'll figure out this stuff on my own. You guys just do your own thing over there. I'll do my thing. It's not how it's supposed to work. You got to escape together. <laughs> well, we failed. We Aww. did not escape. No. I've done like. I think I've only done one of them, but I, I did get out, but it was fun. Anyway, I, I watched a ton of movies because we recorded the last talk to the audience early. This one's coming like right under the wire and I can't talk about all of them. <laughs> so maybe I'll mention a few of them and Nina can chime in because she watched a lot of these with me. Yeah. During the holiday break, you guys said, uh, well, I also watched a lot of movies too. So maybe some of ours cl- cross over then. I finally saw The Magnificent Ambersons, the mm. Orson Welles movie. And my, my thoughts are more like The Magnificent Blandersons because <laughs> it's a troubled movie that was massacred by the studio and the original footage is just gone forever. So we don't know what it could have been, but it feels like it would have been a better movie if it wasn't 86 minutes long or whatever. It just uh, Cinematography and, and directing is fantastic. Welles should have been in it, not just a narrator that pops up occasionally. But uh, I'm glad I finally got to see it, but uh, it's not good. It's oh, not man, a good it, movie. It dragged so much. It it does, yeah. That's what always scared me about giving it a shot because I, I love Orson Welles and I've watched, I think, most of his other movies, including a long time ago I watched his Falstaff movie, uh, but or at least clips of it. But yeah, I've just always been scared of like, I know how much it got hatcheted down. It'll just make me sad to see what could have been or to imagine. It's not a huge investment. So I think it's, if you're just curious, it's worth watching, but it's not, I don't think it's very good. Um, Moving on uh, to name a few other ones. Uh, I finally saw Klaus, the 2019 Netflix animated movie. Uh, I was very impressed by it. Even though it's like Christmas Emperor's New Groove, it's still (laughs) like very good. And I mean, that story has been done a lot. It's like the Doc Hollywood, like, guy of high status forced to work among low status people as punishment but then he learns something from them very common story but it's done very well with a christmas uh veneer and the animation is very very good yeah that was surprisingly good I heard like high praise about it. I heard a lot of high praise about the visuals, especially, which I agree. It looked great, but I didn't know the story was going to be so good as well. Yeah, it was one of those. Uh, every time I've seen, I've not, I haven't watched it myself either, but all the clips I've seen are like, wow, they're really showing off what you can do in 3D now. The characters do not look lifeless at all. They have so much energy and uh, caricature, character to them that you would expect from 2D more than 3D. No, wait, I thought it wasn't 3D. It's no, 2D. No. It's 2D. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, yes, it, it is. A lot of people models. thought it was oh. 3D because of the way they shaded it. Yeah. But the, oh, the, the magic trick behind it is, yeah, it, it's 2D. It's like the wow. inverse of Spider-Verse. Instead of it's <laughs> like 2D looking, sorry, instead of 3D looking like 2D, it's 2D looking like 3D. Of course, there's like 3D assistance throughout the movie, but the character animation is 2D. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Wow. Also saw Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Now, it is not, no, go back to our Pinocchio podcast from last year. I read the original book. It's very dark. It's very weird. It's, it's kind of bad in some ways this is not in a direct adaptation that i thought it would be but it keeps the same tone in that the, there are no spoilers here but pinocchio does die more than a few times in this movie that's not a spoiler is it i don't think so i don't think so because i didn't it, know about that going into it but it, it, it's irrelevant because it doesn't matter yeah but uh it keeps the it keeps the dark and twisted tone it does have yeah. uh well i mean guillermo del toro does also like attacking fascists in his movies there's aren't there there's some italian fascists in this as well yeah they bumped the story forward about like 40 or 50 years to world war one era uh, italy and uh it's a bit different in that respect but they do that for more interesting story ideas so even though it doesn't adapt the book i think it's a better version of it than the disney movie and of course the stop motion is amazing we're fortunate enough to see it in theater 
No, yes. I, I'm very jealous of that. I, I couldn't, I'm going to have to watch it on Netflix. Uh, I've been seeing everywhere, though, that like every place Guillermo del Toro wins an award for this, he makes sure to say animation isn't a medium or isn't a genre, it's a medium and, and all that, which is an important thing to say for normies who don't know this. But I did see a couple people on, a couple animation professionals I follow on Twitter are just like, I'm getting mighty sick of seeing this shared all the time with me. I get it, Guillermo. <laughs> <laughs> we know it's a, it's a medium, it's, not a It's genre. not for them. Yeah. It's not for them. Yeah. <laughs> I also, uh, I've seen this movie like two or three times when Nina saw it for the first time, uh, Rope, the Hitchcock movie. And uh, the entire gimmick of it is it's made to look like it was filmed in one shot. Uh, there are a few major cheats. There's one complete fade out and fade back in, so it's not seamless. But I am over that part of the movie but i think it's a very good intense like uh play basically you're watching on the screen and i love rope when our Aren't uh, there two guys in it who are sort of gay, but they can't be on their Hayes code? They're not yes, actually gay? because it's based on Leopold and Loeb, who uh, were gay for each other, and also the two actors are gay. Oh, hey. I don't know if they or... were gay for each other. Have you seen Rope? No, I have not. I My advice is yeah. don't be a dope. Go see Rope. <laughs> and it's also uh, like 87 minutes long. It's I, very short. Yeah, I rarely rate things five stars on Letterboxd. I'm very, very sparing with that. And that rating usually goes to movies I've seen like several times. This was my first time seeing it. I immediately gave it five stars. Wow. And I also said it's a really good episode of Frasier. <laughs> yeah. That was my review. And uh, no spoilers, but Jimmy Stewart does say, you're going to die <laughs> in a very threatening way. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart's going to take it to those gay guys. Huh? It's, it's a very dark role for Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Mm, all right. I, I'm fi- I'll finally watch it. Sorry. I'm getting through these very quickly. Uh, I will say to jump ahead of things, my pick of the month uh, is a movie about a little donkey called EO. <laughs> <laughs> this song goes out to EO. Uh, EO is a great movie. It's not one I want to see again because it was so effective of uh, towards me. But um, it's about uh, our relationship with animals and how, as humans, it's a very messed up relationship because we think in terms of capitalism and animals aren't on board with that all the time. So it's about this sweet little donkey who's not anthropomorphized in any way, but it's freed from a circus after some laws are passed that you know prevent animals from being in circuses. And, uh, oh, the donkey is free. No, every new owner it finds it's like well you're an animal and you're a donkey so let's find you a job mm-hmm. and it's about how uh with every new thing he does it, it like exposes our view of animals more and more and uh, it may might challenge your own thoughts about animals i dare say it was really good it's a polish film right it is polish yes it's, uh, and it's by this uh, very old director what he's like 80 something yes Oh, wow. And so, he loves donkeys. It's like his favorite animal. You yeah. Tell. And and when he got his uh, awards for this movie, I forget what award ceremony it was. Uh, he came up and said, I would like to thank my donkeys. <laughs> so if I ever win an award, I just want to say that. And then he just listed all like, the names of the six donkeys that yeah. played EO in the film. It was very sweet. Yeah. yeah. I, I just saw that's nominated for Best International Film at the Oscars. Too. Yeah. Uh, I was very surprised by this movie. Apparently it's a remake of a, a much older movie, but people say this one is the better one so yes eo uh i really recommend it it is uh, a very tasteful depiction of uh our relationship with animals uh and it may be shocking and depressing but i think uh you get something out of it by watching it and we got to see that in a theater too which i'm glad because like 
I wanted to see it while I was in the local independent theater because I don't think it's streaming anywhere. Yeah, I don't think it is. I don't think it is right now. Not very big distribution of this one. And it should be widely distributed. I think everyone should see it. I'm so jealous because I spent my holidays in in a Northern California suburb. And so I could not. They didn't have. uh, I got to see one movie in a theater. The biggest movie of the year. That's the only movie I saw in theaters. Uh, just to skip through a bunch of these, uh, Nina and I saw The Shining in a theater. I, that's my second time seeing The Shining in a theater. Really great. Now, I got to say something, Nina. You mm-hmm. were there with me. Mm-hmm. People, and I talked about this with uh, mm-hmm. another guest on a recent podcast that so you'll hear in the future. People are getting a little too comfortable. Uh, the pandemic made us all go a little feral. And people don't know how to act at the movies anymore. And it was the one time in my life, uh, maybe the second time in my life, where I had to yell at somebody in front of me or, or near me saying, hey, shut up. <laughs> well, you didn't say it like that. <laughs> No, I said, hey, both of you, keep it down or whatever. Or you I said, what be I said. quiet. Be quiet. <laughs> you didn't say um, please. You just like be quiet. Yeah, yeah. And it was yeah, like yeah. just a couple like it's very comfortable with each other, like just having casual like, oh, look at that guy. And well, what about that? And just like having just it's running commentary was driving me insane. I couldn't believe it. Like, yeah. What do you have to what do you have to say about The Shining the entire way through, like the the whole 30 minutes of it? What's with the running commentary? They will not stop. Yeah. Oh, and you know what? I would have suffered through it because I'm slightly a coward. And But also it's Canada. So you can yell at someone in a movie theater and they won't shoot you. Probably. <laughs> uh, but th- I, I reached a new level as a husband. And I didn't want to tell you until this podcast, Nina, uh-huh. where I was like, oh, these people are so annoying. And I look over at Nina and she looks so mad. And like my husband energy like reached a new level. And I was like, you made my wife upset. <laughs> I was mad. Like I was about to like get up and go to a different seat. Yeah. Oh, man. See, like, uh, my... Wow, that's so I was like, are they going to do this throughout the entire film? Oh. And and there was like a woman behind us who was also like asking questions. It's like it's like the tweet that you bring up all the time where it's like, you know, if you watch the movie, more information will be revealed to you. <laughs> so it's just like uh, Wendy, you've seen The Shining. It's not a spoiler. Wendy needs to escape the house. And the, like throughout every part of this movie, the woman behind us is like, well, what's happening now? What, where are they going? And it's just like, well, how's Wendy going to get out? The snowblowers all the, 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 the snow cats all messed up. How's she going to get out? It's like, the movie will tell you. Yeah, you just, can ask yourself the, the, those questions. Just do it inside your head like everyone else. Yes. Yeah. People have lost internal monologues. It's insane. I, I want to, you know, this type of interactions happened in theaters before COVID, but I do think it probably the movie going experience at home probably made it worse for people that they just think oh i can just talk all the time i mean everything's my living room yeah and uh, i guess one other thing i will say it's a trend i noticed it's happened three times now and it's uh, I, like i feel bad complaining about people in movie theaters it's an old man thing to do but i feel like it's the third time this has happened it happened with uh, seeing vertigo it happened with seeing suspiria it happened with seeing the shining people in a movie to see us uh, people in a theater to see an old movie enter the movie thinking i'm i'm better than this and i'm smarter than these people and I know yeah. everything this movie is going to throw at me. I'm going to laugh at things that are foreshadowed. I mean, The Shining is a funny movie, but when Jack Nicholson is like, my family and I is going to have a really great time here in the hotel, huge laughs. Like, yes, I know uh, what happens in The Shining. Yeah. I know what happens in The Shining. Well, like, even the people who saw it in 1980 were supposed to laugh at that because you, everybody knows the concept of Shining when they're in the theater. You're not better. That No, that it. 
that all I agree. But it's like Drives it's like crazy. the 2023 or 2022 snobbery. It's just like uh, you know Wendy the mom is smoking in front of her child. It's just like when you see that there's like tittering in the audience. Like yes, it was 1980. <laughs> yes, no, I parents smoked in front of their children. Can we just get put yourself in the place of when this movie was released? By the way, that couple you shushed, they still kept talking throughout the movie after you did that. They were just way more quieter about it so we couldn't hear them anymore that's good that's but still it's like, if you're gonna do that just watch it at home yes yeah. I should be like I'm an American shut up <laughs> yeah. I, I brought a gun with me yes uh, anyways that's old man corner uh, just uh, please be quiet if you're in the movie theater it, it doesn't need to be said but uh, so um, I saw some other things uh, like I saw The Natural but you probably heard about that or Will have heard about no, it no they heard about it in Homer at the oh Bad right Sog. right yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I just watched Willow for an upcoming podcast not for this network uh, last thing I'll say is that Nina and I watched uh, Brigsby Bear, which is the Kyle Mooney movie. Uh, he co-wrote it. I think he wrote it. Sorry. Yeah, I... he wrote it, and it's the director of Saturday Morning All-Star Hits, too. So it's kind of like a, a, a brother program to it. Yes. Um, I don't want to spoil what the movie's about, but I really enjoyed it, and I think our, our listeners will enjoy it because it's about our relationship with television and how essentially it's that... Uh, TV was a thing that made us feel safe in the past, but now we're kind of captive to nostalgia. And it's an exploration of that in a very interesting way. But I don't want to describe what the movie's about because there's a very fun twist in it after the first like 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah, again, if you if you like Saturday morning all-star hits after we talked about it on What a Cartoon a friggin' year ago, can you believe it? You should definitely check out Brigsby Bear as well. Yeah, I think it, it's on Netflix, I think. Uh, uh, no, I had to. I think I had to rent it. Uh, or it was well, on HBO Max or something, I think. Well, wherever it is, it's, yeah. worth, it's worth seeking out. I feel like we should just assume from now on nothing's on anything. And you nothing's on anything, it, no. Yeah, unless it's a brand new movie. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I saw Napoleon Dynamite for, for, for the first time last night, but it was on HBO Max. Oh, wow. You, doesn't that have a lot of bad baggage for you as uh having people meanly compared you to the star of the film they should have told me i look like john heater i would have been less insulted like hey napoleon dynamite like what well yeah because you don't look like the character napoleon dynamite you maybe when john heater's a normal looking guy you maybe look a little like him but we've talked about this with the beck thing it's just like you're mm-hmm. you know you're a skinny white no, guy yeah i don't like, think uh, they were being mean about with, like shaggy they, hair they just should have specified no you look at the actor who plays napoleon dynamite not yeah. napoleon dynamite this is going on for a while but i saw it for the first time and what surprised me the most is that uh it's a movie from the early aughts where uh it's a comedy from the early aughts and the humor is very gentle and for the most part non-mean-spirited and there are no like gay jokes there are no rape jokes the worst thing that happens from a 2023 standpoint is that the main character says the r slur but he's also a teenager in 2004 yeah and as a teenager in the early 2000s i'm sure i said that word <laughs> and he's a little jerk too yeah yeah, yeah. he's, a, he's a hero but he also is a teenager yeah did you know in real life john heater is uh fluent in japanese because of mormonism oh could be was he a missionary he, yes he was raised mormon and his mission was to japan so he oh, wow. learned uh, fluent japanese to proselytize I, I i wonder how much luck he had converting anybody to mormonism in japan but. he's like become a mormon gosh <laughs> yeah. i I learned this because in that uh, Blades of Glory movie he's in with Will Ferrell, there's a joke where a Japanese reporter asks them a question in Japanese and then he replies in, I, I would say, sounds like very good Japanese. And hmm. then I was like, wait, 
can he actually speak Japanese? And that's how I learned it. I'm slightly curious about that animated series Fox made in like 2010 because I know like Tom Gamble and Max Pross worked on it. And, and, the Scully, char- and Scully. And, and Mike Scully. And the character designs I think are by like a guy who worked on the critic. Mm-hmm. So like there's a good pedigree there, but I thought it came too late. But now that I know about the characters, I might want to see it. But it did I, come too late. Yeah, it really did. <laughs> and I was just thinking about early aughts comedies because uh, former guests of the show, Brian Quinby, does a lot of fun stuff on his Patreon covering a lot of bad comedies from uh, the early aughts. He's cooking these days. Yes, uh, he did a recent podcast series called Now We're Cooking about like the the career of Dane Cook. And I was I was listening to his uh, Good Luck Chuck podcast, and he's like the 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 funny friend of the main character is just a rapist, and the joke is about how he's raping people. <laughs> Jesus. And that yeah. was the year two thousand six in comedy, but it's not like Napoleon Dynamite. You just drank cum, gross. <laughs> There's yeah, like, nothing like that in the movie. I hadn't seen it in a while, and I was af- I was afraid, like, oh, how how well is this humor gonna hold up? And I was pleasantly surprised. It's like there are like a few iffy things, but it was for the most part, like uh, like Bob said, it was uh, not mean spirited. It was like oddly heartwarming, and um, I miss this this kind of cringe, awkward humor because mm. nowadays when people try to try to uh, emulate that, they have to have another character, like a cooler character, going like, well, that was weird, or oh, so that just happened. <laughs> Did you literally just say that? <laughs> yeah, they can't just let the cringe uh, happen. Is that even a thing? Yeah, no. I. What are we in the video game Forspoken now available on major consoles? Yeah, I have a little to say about that. Forspoken and that the Final Fantasy game from last year, Strangers in Paradise, or Strangers of Paradise. I think it's in Paradise. In Paradise, maybe. Both of those are totally feel like Square Enix got sick of being told that their um, writing was like too stilted or too Japanese or like, especially after Kingdom Hearts. Everybody's like, why do people talk like that? So they made this real effort of like, okay, we're going to write American style dialogue of like Deadpool style humor and all this. <laughs> and then once they do it, then everybody screen capping going like, this sucks. This isn't funny. Like, you're, you're right. It's Strangers of Paradise. Okay. And, and watching the Forspoken clips made me think, I really miss when uh, video game dialogue was like the first rough trans translation of another language and they just had to go with it uh i mean look the, this it seems fine i don't i don't like think it does and eh, you know it's no worse than i mean it's again them trying to write deadpool dialogue that's how it feels to me we should we should really try to prevent this <laughs> well i feel like the critical response is going to prevent it i think but i just feel i feel bad for square enix because i feel like their localizers can't win because they they got made fun of for stilted dialogue in the past in games like square uh, like final fantasy 13 or the kingdom Hearts series and now they try to make something that feels natural and american style and instead it's just like a marvel quip machine they're having uh, a, out of that's gone mad square nx is having a really bizarre couple years with all the different kinds of games they're putting out but i support and it. the nfts though in nfts yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't support those <laughs> i want to bring up three things i saw real quick first was when bob was watching the natural i was watching <laughs> Top Gun Maverick, and I think I won this round. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was so much more. I'm sure it was so much more exciting than what, what the natural was. The natural was just summed up in one quote from the main character: "God, I love baseball." <laughs> well, Top Gun Maverick is God, I love flying. It is, no, but I, done really, really well. Like I'm not even like a big Top Gun fan. I, was, mm-hmm. I saw it like for the first time with Bob actually um, in Vancouver uh, at a theater not too long ago, and I was like, "Yeah, it was fine." 
But this one, like, I was expecting that much from it, and it was like amazingly well done. Yeah, no, it's uh, that was one I did see in theaters, and it was actually. I wish really I'd seen a theater. Yeah. No, it's. I mean, the in cockpit stuff is amazing. Like, especially, I am so sick of the green screen in most movies these days that having the natural lighting of them like just flying around and having the sun move naturally on them was like, damn. That was While cool. I was watching, it, I kept thinking like, wow, this looks so real. How do they do it? And then I found out, <laughs> oh, they were actually in the planes. No wonder. It's how films used to be made yeah but it's only because tom cruise is like a crazy guy who's like i'm no we're getting in the real planes guys. but but it works yeah. i also saw skin and marink and i gotta say thumbs down on that okay I, uh it, it works it either works for you or it doesn't mm. and it did not work for me some people were like scared to death by it whereas some people were like this is the most boring thing i've ever seen in my life i like, kind of i give it two stars on letterbox because i kind of like the audacity of what this filmmaker did by putting this on screen and because it was so unique of an experience i also saw this in a theater and oh. i think a lot of people like once the uh this, the movie was done and the lights went up some people were like what the hell was that other people were like oh my god that was so scary i formally apologize to my wife for making a sharon lewis and bram joke about skin rink uh it's okay <laughs> i had to bite my tongue there i was like no it's probably everyone makes the exact yeah. same reference and i hate that show <laughs> <laughs> I liked it as a kid. I, I thought it was it. awful. <laughs> and the third thing I saw uh, this month is AI artificial intelligence. I avoided this movie for a long time because I thought it was going to be like a super sappy, slow family drama. And it was not like at all. Yeah. No. I went to it like totally blind. I was like, why aren't more people talking about this? Like, I know it didn't do very well when it mm. came up. People were like, what is this? Like, they didn't really understand it or they expected something different and they were like kind of blindsided about what it was. But I was, I thought it was really well made except for, I got to say, I did not like the ending. I know it's controversial. Uh, I wish it ended 20 minutes earlier. It's the one thing I know about the movie is that people hate the ending. Uh, well, I've come around again on the ending. I, I, I actually mm. like the ending. Well, because like... Well, Bob hasn't what, seen it. Uh, so yeah, to I, like, I won't spoil it. But, but yes, I also do agree. I know exactly where you mean it could have ended 20 minutes earlier. I, you could have the credits roll there and it would be really great too. But also I, I've, I've come to like the anymore. I, I rewatched it a little while ago and I, I do really love it too. I didn't, I was too young and stupid. Like when it first came out, I was like 19 and I didn't get it. Like same with like when I saw eyes wide shut in theaters, uh, when I was a kid, I did not get it. Like, uh, I really liked how creepy and dark it was. And that's why I wish it ended sooner. It would have been darker, you know, but but also like the end the actual ending like fits narratively and thematically mm. so i get why in it that way I, it's fine the, I guess. the line that's really struck with me lately is when teddy it's early in the movie when he's eating he's gonna eat to prove he's as good as the other boy mm -hmm. and the way teddy goes like don't you'll break like the way Teddy says that is like haunting. Teddy was really cool. Yeah, I, Ted, they made like an actual robot <laughs> yeah. for that movie. Ah, so cool, man! It's they, like Seth MacFarlane's Ted. He pretty much, yeah. He's, it, he's, it, this yeah. looks better than Ted, I would yes, say, because yes. Ted is CG. He says yeah. like ra raunchy things and smokes cigars. <laughs> he's like Brian from Family Guy, but you know, a bear. Anyway, uh, Bob, one day when we have two and a half hours to spare for a movie, we'll watch it. Okay. It's a good time. It's good times. Maybe maybe in your local theater it'll get replayed too. But. It did get replayed recently because it was for the 20th anniversary. Oh, really? Because it came out in 2001. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, well, also, Bob, you, you went through a lot of travel problems. Oh, too, yes. Time. Uh, yes. I mean, yeah. people had it much worse than me, but there was like a, I mean, we were caught in like the polar bomb or whatever, like <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the Goku bomb. spirit winter bomb or whatever <laughs> happened in the, in the Vancouver area and the Pacific Northwest. 
Mm-hmm. I don't want to go over every element of this trip. It could have been much worse. So it's like I'm supposed to leave on the 20th of December. I'm on the train, uh, one stop away from the airport. My my flight is canceled. I go home. I buy a ticket for the 22nd. I get to the airport. My connecting flight is canceled. I have to get my luggage back that I checked, and I go home. Finally, on the 26th, I'm able to go. So it was like I was supposed to leave on the 20th. I ended up being there like basically on the 26th. So that's why we're a bit behind because my vacation started like almost a week later than I had planned. And this is because Vancouver was hit with an unprecedented snowstorm. And people always like say like, oh, you're from Canada. You must get a lot of snow, right? It's like, no. Uh, listen to Homer Simpson, <laughs> Vancouver, the, the warmest city in Canada. We don't usually get this much snow. We have like very temperate uh, weather, but, the, uh, you know, climate change and all that, because we don't get that much snow, um, we aren't prepared for it when it does come. And so when people when people are like, like, why wasn't uh, the Vancouver airport prepared for this? Like they should have known it was coming. It's like, well, we don't spend that many resources on like de-icing, yeah, de-icing yeah, stuff yeah. because it, we don't have to deal with this normally. Mm. Like th- we don't normally have to deal with this. And so when we were hit with this like polar bomb or whatever he <laughs> <laughs> called it, uh, so many people were, were uh, stranded in Vancouver like like for days on end. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, like I'm happy that I was able to buy new tickets. But the thing about, uh, you know, airline refunds is that you don't get your money back instantly. So uh, with three different airlines, I am chasing down a at least like $1,500 worth of uh, refunds at the moment. And I'm going to get to those in about a couple of weeks. So I need to set like set aside a day to call three different airlines and be on hold and explain my situation and say, where's my money? <laughs> Give me it back. So You're lo- we technically missed Christmas together. We but, did. We had a lot like of holiday plans. days of like post-Christmas activities uh, that, were, that were still lingering afterwards. Yes, we made up it for it. And I was very sad initially because we uh, was, were making our thing that we see uh, It's a Wonderful Life in the theater every mm-hmm. Christmas Eve. We did it for a few years in a row, but we broke the streak. But next year. Next year, next yeah. Year. We'll always have Mother Christmases. Yeah. Yes. Man, I was I count myself very lucky. Lots of people had travel problems. And we were also flying with Southwest, but we, we were able to do all our travel as planned. So husband came down here for uh, about a week. Then I... Went up to Seattle for about a week, and and every we missed horrible weather the entire time. While while we were all while me and you, Bob, were not in the Bay Area, there was like torrential downpour rain. Like, well, I mean, it happened like for monsoons, but very heavy rain for here. It was still happening for about a week and a half after we both got back, though. <laughs> yes, that's true. We still had it. Uh, uh, as for me, uh, video games, very light on video games. I played a little more of the Mario and Rabbids. I can't stop playing Marvel Snap. I love that game. I just unlocked Todd McFarlane Spider-Man variant for my Spider-Man card, which uh, oh cool yeah it's it's uh, they took the cover of Spider-Man 13, which is him uh, in the symbiote suit, the black suit uh, in in the classic uh, pose. From, it's in the circle, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 I know that one. It's a really good one. Uh, but I have been waiting until after the live show to start it up. But the new Fire Emblem's out and. Definitely the Thursday after our live show, I'm going to be playing that new Fire Emblem all day. Fire Emblem Engage. Can't wait. Uh, as for movies, I also saw a ton. I'll, I'll speed through a few. Finished Mr. Show. Full Mr. Show rewatch my husband. Uh, he'd never seen it before. He's like, we should watch Run, Roddy, Run. And I had never seen an HD before. I paid four bucks to watch it on Amazon in HD. I was too nice to that movie. That movie just isn't good. It's bad, isn't yeah, it? It's really not good. I remember watching it in the aughts. I eventually want to see it just out of curiosity, but I, I got it up on Netflix in the aughts uh, when the, they sent the disc to you back in the day. And it was so scratched up, it stopped playing halfway through, and I thought, you saved me. You, <laughs> you saved my nights. Uh, the, the big mistake is that the Mr. Show team, instead of being allowed to make a sketch movie, they could make 
make good. They instead are forced to make basically an Adam Sandler like Happy Gilmore type movie, which the character of Ronnie Dobbs is not Happy Gilmore, and it doesn't work. It's it's crap. I never like the Ronnie Dobbs character that much. Yeah, either. also I don't like. It's it, not the yeah. strongest thing they've done in the base of movie around it. It's weird, and also to make the title like a Forrest Gump parody. Yeah, it, is also it strange. All sucks. Yeah, it should have just been a sketch movie. But uh, and I did see the Avatar. The Way of Water, saw it in the theaters. Uh, it is like one of the best looking movies, like special effects wise, you've ever seen. Uh, it's weird to watch a movie at 48 frames per second a lot of the time. Like, it can be very distracting. I'm not going to join in the group of our many podcast friends who <laughs> are fully blue pilled into being Avatar fans. But I will say the stuff with the giant whale type creature, Pyacon was really cool and i like Pyacon a whole lot i think he's a really neat character can Pyacon. i order some sort of carvel ice cream cake based on him <laughs> there should be a fudgy the whale for Pyacon. yes yeah no and i mean hey the way i saw it was i want to see what james cameron can do in a movie theater because i do still think he is the best action director there ever was uh and when the action starts that's the thing it's just like the first avatar your first hour some action second hour you're like almost looking at your watch like all right when are we getting in that fireworks factory but that fireworks factory really is pretty great hmm. once you get to that it's uh, it's really good Maybe one day I'll get around to seeing the avatars. I'm sure they'll be not watching them. I I mean, we could have seen the recent like uh, 3D re-release of the first movie. We missed it. Eh, you're better. I mean, you see it in a theater if you're going to see it, though. That's that's the way to see it. Uh, I just every time I see the Navi, I'm just like, this is aggressively (laughs) not my thing. I get it. I get it. I mean, yeah, I they they look it's a weird thing. And and also hiring predominantly white actors to affect your made up native american style voices uh a little sus a little sus but i also watch the fablemans which i can't stop talking about on every other podcast i love the fablemans it's a love letter to the movies uh and also a man's uh weird relationship with his mom and that man is steven spielberg yeah i was gonna ask about that yeah is are there any spoilers like is this turned into like a pornhub video no 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 but it is i'm kidding of course uh it is spielberg was very close with his mother and it's him kind of investigating like i guess that was kind of weird that i like film my mom dancing in a see-through uh 91 time that was weird i i I shouldn't have done that or there's there's some odd feelings to it but it's also about like loving the movies and also wanting to be in it i mean judd hirsch in it is amazing his his one scene is just amazing i saw the glass onion just like you guys did uh Uh, sorry one second i was looking it up on my computer here and uh uh will miniker former guest of the show uh i liked his review of the fablements having never seen it his review is on letterboxd through the magic of movies you can fuck your mom and now that made me really curious about what the movie's about well yes he's it's about her it's definitely a mother-son movie that's that's for sure but though also if you see it especially bob we did a whole podcast uh retronauts thing on the indiana jones movies after watching it i'm like oh indiana jones is spielberg's most personal movie series i think like mm. Indi- there's moments in the movie that i'm like oh wait indiana jones does that in a movie including the one of the dumbest things in um crystal skull is that monkey that swings around with shia labeouf like mm. shia labeouf meets the monkeys and they all swing on vines together it's so stupid after watching fablemans i was like oh 
maybe the monkey makes sense now and there's actually like a uh, personal reason Spielberg put it in there. It's your key to unlocking the bad Spielberg movies. It is. It's it's really it's a really good movie. Watch Glass Onion. It's all right. It's all right. It it was it was okay. Like I gave it 3.5 on Letterboxd. I might have given it a 3 maybe, but I just like Murder Mystery so much. That's why I rated it higher than I would have otherwise, but mm. it wasn't as good as the first one yeah, and uh like, I mean, Bob had a good observation of how it was like a criticism of like billionaires, but it was so like toothless. Yeah. I mean, uh, the targets were obvious and these are not spoilers, by the way, but uh, one of the characters in the movie is like a, uh, a Mark Zuckerberg type, an Elon Musk type. Uh, see in him what you will. It wasn't nearly mean enough. Mm. And I, I, I mean, uh, Ryan Johnson, obviously a very well-connected man in Hollywood. He directed a fucking Star Wars movie. <laughs> and it like it was a fun distinction where he's like, oh, rich people are so vapid and useless, except for my friends. And I love them very much. Who are and, all in this movie. And they're going to they're going to appear in the movie. And yeah. uh, we, we appreciate them and their time. And, <laughs> and there was one, okay, there was one time in the movie in which there was a cameo. And I'll just say it right now. It was Serena Williams. It's not going to give anything away. But... She is present in a movie where she's overhearing a lot of vital information, and it's like, should she be hearing this? I mean, I know this is a fun cameo, but th- she could spread this information outside of the like the bubble you're she in for this mystery. Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. I really didn't like all the cameos in the film, and like what I said about it in, in my review, I think, or maybe on Twitter. No, I think it was in Letterboxd. I was like, I just hope this isn't what the rest of the gla- uh, not Glassinian, the Knives Out series is going to be. Just an excuse to have a bunch of cameos and references and something the audience can point at and go, oh, I know what that is. I know who that yeah, is. Yeah. I know what this is referencing. I think the cameos were encouraging people to think they could vote on who's going to be in the next movie because people are like, oh, make a Muppet movie. Yeah. And he had, uh. he had to write like an article like, yes, yes, I like the Muppets <laughs> too, but I have my own ideas and thank you for your input. No, I, I think one of the worst things about Ryan Johnson is that he's too much on Twitter. And after Knives Out, a bunch of, I mean, if a bunch of famous people came to us and said, I want to be on your podcast, we'd be like, yes, you'll be a guest on our podcast. Absolutely. I get why he does it, but yes, it takes away from the film. And also, I'm stealing this from uh, Jack Allison. This was his thought on the movie. And he he liked it kind of too but he did say like the message of the movie is the billionaires are too mean to millionaires yes like, that's that's really what the movie's that's about. the real problem mm-hmm. i saw elvis i liked a whole lot of that i saw uh, that too i thought did, did you a like it more than ago. moulin rouge i know you hated oh moulin I, rouge. well i hated moulin rouge it's not saying much for me to say i like this more than moulin rouge i still i can't get used to his editing style it just felt like a like a very long like nearly three hour long trailer it was cut like that mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. I, I got used to it eventually but uh, part of it was a bit much like um, I left to use a bathroom a few times and each time it felt like I didn't miss anything because like the editing was so frantic that it, uh, even though like I missed a scene or two it kept coming like flashing back to like a few minutes before so it's uh. like oh it's just showing me what I missed before <laughs> oh and as a Stranger Things fan it was I was shocked to see Billy in this I was like wait Billy's in this like the the older brother of Max like he's like one of the producers of his of his special in the movie I, oh but- okay I didn't recognize him. Yeah, he's under my husband had to say like, well, my husband actually says that's the Red Ranger from the Power Rangers 2016 movie. But uh, yeah, it's it's Billy from Stranger Things. It, I, I didn't care about Elvis Presley at all going uh, to it. Um, interesting life. Like I looked up later to see what parts were fictionalized, what parts were true. Colonel uh, Tom Parker's ridiculous in it. God, I, I couldn't. Uh, I 
He's like a Norbit <laughs> style character. I couldn't accept that character. It was it was a little too goofy. Uh, you and I are it's the a, same. Just just hire like a like a good overweight character actor. Don't get Tom Hanks. I felt that way about the the penguin in yes, the new movie, yeah. which well, I, his I pros- saw. Yeah, his prosthetics were better. They're yeah, they were better, but still. That's uh, right. We did see the Batman <laughs> finally. Uh, me and my husband did our duty as homosexuals and watch Bros. Uh, it's fine. It is a bougie though gay movie. Like it's about the problems that like rich gay people have more so. Like the main thrust of the movie is. Will he get funding for his gay museum in New York City? Can he get it? Like, and all, but I mean, it is truth to power, but mainly it's my favorite stuff in it is Billy Eichner pretty much just being himself saying, Yeah, I got too old to cast in movies because Hollywood decided they weren't homophobic anymore after I aged out of starring in movie age. And <laughs> though the movie is a fucking lie in the trailers. And the first five minutes are like, he's a successful podcaster. He doesn't podcast once after the first five minutes of the movies. It's so tacked Bullshit. On. Yeah, bullshit. I, Our lives are consumed <laughs> by this. Uh, I watched the first Hotel Transylvania finally. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah, that was uh, one of our picks for uh, November, but uh, Paranorman won. St- I still want to get around to seeing those movies. I think well, maybe this year. I'd, uh, I really liked it. Uh, and I watched uh, Stepdad Television of, of 1923, <laughs> uh, which, uh, yes, it's it's Taylor Sheridan makes the shows for conservative America. But it pairs well with the Miller Lite. Uh, Stepdad TV should be a channel or a streaming network. Uh, I guess pretty much that is Paramount Plus because they have like 17 Taylor Sheridan shows. Uh, and last uh, two hits, uh, HBO Max I watched. I'm finally watching White Lotus. Uh, me and my husband felt embarrassed that the show, which is by a, a uh, queer creator, bisexual uh, man, Mike White, who I love all the stuff. He wrote School of Rock and hmm. a ton of things. He wrote the show. It's a great show. We were so embarrassed to find out my parents had watched the whole series before me <laughs> and my husband had. I, I don't uh, even know what it is about, but I know a lot of people can't stop it, uh, watching it. Oh, yeah. It. It's bougie vacation uh, comedy. It, you would like it. Honestly, it's what Glass Onion thinks it is about making fun of shitty rich people. Mm, okay. And I watched Velma. Everybody's like, chill out. But also, I'm not going to watch any. I watched the third episode. I ain't watching more. But there, it's there's work shows. Uh, like, you and I and Nina have been talking about this. But, like, it's only a Scooby-Doo show. You shouldn't be that mad at it. And, yeah, some of the things it does are cringy. And I'm not here to defend, like, a multi-billion dollar property. But <laughs> the complaints went from, like, oh, these lines are cringy to... Uh, Velma shouldn't treat her friend like this and I'm offended <laughs> yeah, like, like this is not how you treat someone that's having a panic attack and uh, I, I don't like what, where this is going like yeah. people were taking like it the people were acting as if the characters were real people <laughs> no I, I agree with people saying like Mindy Kaling doesn't have like some plot or whatever she's just she's an annoying person who went to Dartmouth like that's who she is like just an Ivy Leaguer who writes annoying comedy that feels like 2006 still like the, that's all the one uh, clip that I was tweeting about well like a, a tweet got a ton of of reaction it was um velma essentially on trial i don't know what the you know the context of the scene is but to prove that freddie is not guilty of something she has to say in court like he can't even feed himself and he's so rich he can't even cut his own food and there's an entire like bit about how he's tr- like food is presented in front of him and he can't cut it and that's the joke and i was like oh that's that's kind of funny i wasn't like laughing out loud and rolling around but i was like that's that's a funny scene but the response to this tweet was like outrageous like <laughs> 
how dare she treat her friend like that yeah. and, and and so on and so on it's like it, it's her making it's punching up if anything i think there's some di- performative dislike of it for yeah. uh fake reasons i think there are some people who say they don't like the show for woke reasons when they actually are anti-woke and they're trying to attack a show that uh you know has racially blind casting on it or whatever but that said i mean scooby-doo but fucked up has been done literally our entire lives like it's not special i think they think it's more special than it is conceptually but because they weren't paying attention to the past uh <laughs> the, the post zombie island you know yeah and run of shows and it does have the feel of Mindy Kaling, uh, the style of writing she came up in, like The Office, of just joke, 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 like it's the joke machine, and some hit and some don't, and so that also is why context-free you can take out some scenes like, well, that's not funny, that joke sucks, but occasionally you will still go like, yeah, that's good, yeah, but also it's like, I don't know, I've seen gay Velma in other places, it doesn't shock me that Velma kisses a girl in the show now, like, oh, like, oh wow, Velma kisses Daphne, shockaroo, like, you, I, you, I mean, it. I think you made a thread about this, the, yes, the a very the, popular thread, a very popular thread, the, the other takes on, like, fucked up Scooby-Doo, and, like, I forgot that in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, there is a Velma and Daphne, like, lesbian scene, yes, kind of. Yeah, it's been done eight trillion times, when, when James Gunn was hired to write the Scooby-Doo live action movie he wrote it as an r-rated dirty film that then warner brothers lost all their nerve and made it a pg film but they were already doing that then like adult swim did it in 2001 it is old to do this the the only updated thing about it is other than the you know changing of the ethnicities of some of the characters is that they style it like riverdale where it's like a murder mystery and there's like sex and nudity Mm. and stuff in it it's fine it's fine look and also i say this when i know artists on it who get no recognition you wouldn't know who directed the damn show if you read a review of it uh there's good artists on it who i really like including one of my favorite gay artists on online was a storyboarder on it, Drew Green. He draws some of the cutest, huggable, uh, sexy guys you'll see on online. Check out Drew Green's work. He's a border on it. I know there were great people animating on it. They don't even get any damn coverage. It's just about Mindy Kaling. Even, yeah. even the other writers on it don't get other coverage. It's it just does. Uh, it, I mean, I have enjoyed things she's done before, but it does yeah. feel like a show gifted to a celebrity. Pretty much. And yeah. that's essentially how it's being marketed. Yeah. But. Anyway, it's it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> now we're getting the questions and comments for Talking Simpsons, and this is Nina's time to shine because she is going to be reading the questions for us on this episode as she has done before. And up first, we have Bart the Lover, and what does Tyler M say? We had plenty of borderline illegal assemblies at my school. Yes, we had guys ripping phone books in half, but it was for Jesus. Even though I went to a public school, <laughs> various presentations like Pepsi Presents, How to Handle Peer Pressure, but my favorite was some old dude who would narrate Super 8 footage of his various trips to parks. I grew up close to the Ohio border, not far from Youngstown, so I am super curious if this guy came to Bob's school. I believe his name was Tom Diaz or something like that. No, I never encountered this guy, (laughs) although while thinking about this, I thought of a few folks I didn't mention on that podcast. One of them was, uh, I want to believe he was a Native American man uh, who came to our class and he was called Mr. Teepee. Because a teepee, of course, is not, I mean, it's what Cornholio wants for his bunghole, (laughs) but it's also a place where you can live. It's a tent style enclosure. And I remember something odd about him 
is that on his thumb he had like a second thumb growing out of it so he had like a a, a finger oh, deformity uh, okay and he taught us about uh native american customs uh, i was in first grade i just remember because of that i was on tv uh because they just like they brought i mean oh, it was so it was they filmed the event and then you were the kids were on the tv with it was it. like slow news day coverage I like see. uh the west <laughs> west boulevard elementary had a fun surprise as mr tp came and taught the kids about blah 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 and then it's like a pan across all the kids looking vacant at this one man talking in the middle of the room and i also thought because nina and i recently watched singing in the rain uh in 2022 that was the first time i saw it i know nina loves the movie mm -hmm. and the only context i have for that movie is an anti-drug presentation in which they would rewrite uh classic songs and show tunes to be about uh you know not taking drugs and one of them was um singing in the rain so the the presenters would be like i'm singing in the rain just singing in the rain because i'm clap clap stomp stomp drug free clap clap <laughs> stomp stomp drug free uh and of course you'd be and then stomping drug free uh, so when i hear singing in the rain i just like when do i clap and stomp and say drug free <laughs> oh my god uh, yeah I had one other one that that had just unlocked, which was, it was not a guest. It was the, the guidance counselor of the school, a, my elementary school, a nice older Southern lady. She was very nice. So that's, I say this because I'm going to make fun of her. She wanted to write a rap to get kids to not do drugs. <laughs> and her, I remember it still to this day. Kids have a right to say how they feel. Just say no. <laughs> say no, say no. Just say no. Kids have the right to say how they feel. That was ba that's all I remember. From. So she rhymed feel with feel and no yeah, with, with no. no. Yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think I brought this up on another podcast before, so apologies. But the one other thing I remember is that uh, like an ex-con was brought in, and yes, he was a very good convincing public speaker because he was talking about like you know how not to make how not to have problems in your life, how to avoid the road he took, and then he ended the presentation with a story, and the story was the trolley problem, in which <laughs> you pull the switch to the side, but he made it into a real story, and like people in the audience were in tears and i was like no this is like a philosophical question <laughs> oh, this didn't actually happen but people were like very upset by it <laughs> and uh that's my story but uh yeah no uh no weird footage of uh, trips to parks i bet he was looking for couples making love in the woods the, the woods this guy <laughs> and this is his community service for it after yes. getting caught. <laughs> rowdy roddy peeper uh alex Forth forsyth is up next and what does he say the timing of this gordy howe episode is pretty good Alex Ovechkin is currently sitting at 800 goals and will pass Howe any day now. Lots of people are goalpost moving with, you have to count Howe's WHL goals at the moment as well. Edder's note says this did happen on December 23rd. There's a link. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, over, uh, Overshek, Ovechek, Ovechkin. Ovechkin. He did surpass Gordy Howe. So yes, we before when we covered it, Gordy Howe died. The second time we covered it, Gordy Howe is now no longer. He lost one of his records. So he's closer to anonymity. Take <laughs> off your skates, Gordy. You're going out. <laughs> he, it's not happening anymore. Uh, but I appreciate that Alex Forsyth keyed into this thing with uh, sports that was going on then that obviously me and Bob were not aware of when it comes no. to hockey. While we're on hockey news, I wanted to say uh, RIP to Gino Ocek. Um, I was very briefly into uh, Vancouver Canucks uh, when uh, in the 90s, and he was known as the Algonquin Enforcer. He was a goon. Oh, just was, like that just, whole episode of The Simpsons recently. Yeah, he was real good at fighting, and he, <laughs> he did it all the time. He was very exciting. He was like my favorite player back then. Uh, he died recently because of a cardiac arrest. Aww. And uh, he he was like 
uh, diagnosed with a terminal illness like uh, a while ago. But then like the hashtag died suddenly people on Twitter oh, God. took over the news and they were like, oh, it's because he, he got vaccinated for COVID. It's like, no, he knew for a long time his <laughs> health had on a decline. And this is this was not surprising. Yeah, it was like days after uh, it was days after the Golden Globes where Elvis won something and Lisa Marie was there and then she passed away. And people were like, oh, it was the same deal. People saying, I bet mm-hmm. it's because she got the vaccine. It's like her family, her entire family has a history of heart disease disease and they all died of heart heart issues like uh like in their mid 40s to early 50s so yeah and uh i mean we just recorded a different episode today uh i brought up julie and julia the movie yeah yeah and uh the the woman uh julie i can't remember her last name sorry the real the real julie she died last oh, year wow. uh late last year um of cardiac arrest i think yeah. and again like people like the died suddenly people were like oh it's because she got vaccinated for covid it's like yeah just lay off these people like seriously (laughs) and we're on to uh gump roast and alex irish says this marks my first and only time seeing a simpsons clip show live when it was newly aired within the few minutes i didn't realize that it was a clip show until the clip from the way we was I hadn't yet seen Homer the Heretic, and I forgot about the flashback scene in Kidney Trouble, so I didn't know where the story was going. I also didn't see Forrest Gump until months afterward, despite it being the biggest movie of its year. So Homer's costume and affectation was sort of lost on me. I loved it at the time, but I guess we're supposed to hate it now because of its modeling nature and baby boomer self-love? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's a well-made movie. Zemeckis is a great director, but I mean, yeah, it's it is <laughs> boomer. It's boomers celebrating themselves. You know, <laughs> it worked on me at age uh, twelve or thirteen because yeah, yeah. I I didn't see it in theaters, but I read the book. And by the time it came out on so on video, I was so gump pilled. I thought we had to own <laughs> it on video. So like, uh, I told my stepdad like, uh, Forrest Gump is at the video store. We have to go, and he takes me there. And I hand him the the new VHS tape, and he's like, "What we're buying this? I thought we were renting." I was like, "No, this is an important movie. We have to we have to own this movie." Wow. So, and I think I only saw it once, but I was I was convinced like Forrest Gump is the most important movie <laughs> because I think as a kid, like before the internet, uh, you were more like intrigued by like what happened before I was alive, and this movie will tell me. Oh, we had v- very few VHS tapes growing up in my house, and that uh, Forrest Gump was one of them, and that's how I saw it too. No, I mean, the soundtrack also was so shocking to me, or not shocking, but like exciting to me. Like I'd never heard most of those songs before or in that context, at least. Like I, maybe I knew a couple from the oldie station, including Elvis is in the movie. Now, of course, Fortunate Son cannot be played in a movie now after this, after Forrest Gump. Yeah, but. how come in the movie Elvis, he didn't show Elvis getting his idea for <laughs> leg shaking from Forrest Gump? They, they really they left that out. Yeah, Baz Luhrmann uh, papering over history there. But no, I mean, then when I watched it as a mature adult, I think the thing that made me saddest in watching it was just that, well, one, that like Forrest Gump takes no stance on anything in American history, even though it's about a very turbulent, awful time in America. Uh, probably because that's why it wouldn't piss off boomers who wouldn't have liked it if uh, Forrest Gump took a stance on segregation, perhaps, or the ending of it. But also just the way Jenny is treated in the movie. Like yeah. she's she is a harlot who dares to like 
bisexual and is damned for that with she's horribly beaten and she's like molested and then dies of AIDS like it's just horrible what happens to the her. the book is uh the book is better <laughs> to, to not be that guy but uh, Winston Grimm's book is much more cynical and less like schmaltzy although there's a bit of darkness in the Zemeckis movie but mm. I think uh Winston Grimm's point was way different than the point the movie wanted to make well yeah and the, in the movie it's just like the past was nice or it was fun if you were like a dumb guy going yes yeah oh by the way i gotta say when i was a kid i loved clip shows i oh. absolutely loved clip shows you guys <laughs> bring it up like it's like the worst thing ever like you you hated it when you were kids whenever you you found out an episode was a clip show but i was like oh man i got to see my favorite clips again <laughs> no i i'm sorry that's it always cheesed me off because i was like no this isn't a real episode i mean i, I think I mean, cheated out of one i mean we went over this in, like way in the past but like before the simpsons was in syndication the first few clip shows were novel because it's like, well, I can't see these anywhere else. I can't see these clips again. And then when it went to syndication, you're like, well, I can watch the whole episode like every couple months. So mm. it's not special anymore. I just like seeing a montage of all of them. And I wanted to see what clips they considered good, what <laughs> scenes they liked and want to show again. How do you feel about Gump Roast? Uh, it was okay. Okay. <laughs> I thought so. Uh, up next on Gump Roast, Bradford A. Barker says... The closing song was really funny on a rewatch for the podcast, but I remember feeling unnerved by it during its original broadcast, like I was getting an official okay to move on from the show. The season ends with a self-reference with a gunslinging Maggie, so the running out of ideas song really did seem like an admission of defeat. Seasons 14 on are going to have some familiar episodes and some unfamiliar ones. Glad the show has some new legs 20 years on. Yeah, I, you know, uh, the Simpsons spinoff showcase ends with a similar joke, but I think it's about um, TV in general. But the joke at the end of Gump Roast and song form feels more about uh, the show itself and yeah, like the yeah. depths it can sink to <laughs> if allowed to continue. We'll never stop. We have jumped the shark. Uh, here's stupid ideas. We're going to have we're going to have worse stories like just them. And it, uh, it it's a dangerous thing. Like it is another of those moments where they signal to the audience of like, yeah, you know what? The show maybe does kind of suck more now. And you, and what are you going to do, huh? Like, what are you going to do? Like, we're just going to sing about it. I also yeah. remember the song being actually set to the song they wanted to set it to. Mm. We didn't start the fire. So when I heard it again, I was like, wait a second. I thought it was supposed to be like the same tune to that. So that drove me crazy hearing it again. Yeah. I mean, like. They, they should just pay for the, the rights. Uh, they tried to, but it was too much money. <laughs> Billy they, Joel. Yeah. Well, surely they could have afforded it. <laughs> There's a certain. I mean, uh, like we, we saw it like in one episode in season 13, Algene licensed like six songs, I think. And um, in the Artie Ziff one, oh, there were like God, seven so songs. Many, yeah. So I think they only had so many for mm. a season. They ran out. Yeah. Oh, and in Homer getting high, too. There was like eight yeah. songs in that one and i feel like the clip show budget is lower <laughs> so instead yeah they have to go like uh you'll never stop the simpsons instead of you'll never stop like we didn't start the fire you'll never stop the simpsons yeah, yeah. it could have been better if they got the rights but <laughs> alas uh moving on to homer at the bat matt solis says this is definitely my top 10 of all time maybe even top five funny story my dad and i used to go to arizona every march for spring training we were big fans of the oakland a's and we would catch as many preseason games as possible one time they were playing the la angels and we went to the game early to catch batting practice. Mike Sosha was the Angels manager at the time and when we got to the field he was near the backdrop signing autographs for a small crowd of people. I came up to him and said, hey Mike, loved you on the Simpsons man. He responded with a hilarious blank stare and then stammered something like, uh, thanks. Then as I was walking away I said, 
Glad you go- got over that radiation poisoning, bud. I like to think he spent the rest of the day extremely confused, possibly having no recollection of ever appearing in The Simpsons. <laughs> we, we just uh, covered this, but he was the best actor. He especially was. when Yeah, he was great. He was dying and going, oh... <laughs> Man. Uh, and I like uh, to think this is before he came back to the show to reprise his role because if I ever met any of these guys in real life, if like I was like sitting at an airport and Wade Boggs was next to me, well, I'd have to recall who he was in the first <laughs> place. But then I would say like, oh, like on The Simpsons, right? And I would hope that they would that would spark some memory. But mm. Mike Sosha had a very busy career. And I, I guess maybe he was unaware of the legacy he left behind via that appearance. I definitely read other one, other of the guys, maybe not social, but like Mattingly saying or Clemens saying like if they they get a number of Simpsons fans for it, like uh, you know what I would bet they can tell the difference between a baseball fan and a Simpsons fan walking up to them. Yes. I bet they can tell who's I bet they can tell who's who. Absolutely. <laughs> who was the guy that got punched up by Barney again? Uh, that's Bog. Yeah. Okay. I bet he gets uh, Lord Palmerson like all the time. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. He's. But he's like what? <laughs> I bet uh, he he enjoys a drink, so that's why it, it, it was probably best he was cast in there. Uh, moving on for Homer at the Bat, some bloke says this is one of the few Simpsons episodes where I've gone out of my way to watch it in different languages just to see how tantal in countries where baseball is barely a thing. Which is all to say that in German, Madeline's line about preferring Burns to Steinbrenner is changed to Margaret Thatcher, which is kind of random and ruins a joke about acceptable forms of facial hair, but is an appreciated dig. Any attack on Margaret Thatcher is appreciated. Yeah, I agree. But this, this reminds me of when, uh, when I was at your place at some point, you know, we were watching Trials of 404 in Japanese because it was on the disc as a language track. Mm-hmm. And we, we were like comparing differences in, um, uh, you know, joke construction and everything. And the, uh, you like donuts, huh? That scene uh, in American, in English, rather, <laughs> the, uh, the language we speak, of course, uh, the line is James Coco went mad in five minutes. And it's like, well, that's a very obscure celebrity. But in the Japanese version, it's a joke about Elvis. Yeah. Which is like James Coco feels like it's more Simpsons-y, but I barely know who that is. (laughs) Even today. Uh, Yeah, it's the, I mean, it's obscure in the Simpsons way that like an Elvis fat joke is more, in 1994, it was more obvious. But uh, I have Elvis talk today. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Uh, Man, again, I said it last time, but that's so funny to hear about the German language too, because just like I have to think for most European Simpsons fans, pretty much anybody on the other side of the Atlantic, this episode is the only thing they know about baseball. <laughs> like they baseball is is simply not a thing over there. Uh, moving on to King of the Hill, we covered Death of a Propane Salesman, and Joe Hodgson says... The time slot change was my falling off point with King of the Hill as well. I never followed it to Tuesday, or wherever they put it, just like I wouldn't when they did the same to Futurama. The thing that sucks too is the executive who made the move probably just thinks it proves that the show wasn't really popular when the audience doesn't follow it, but that's not true at all. As a result, I've seen little of this era of King of the Hill we're heading into, and I really need to watch more of it. Yeah, I, I saw fewer of these episodes. I think I saw the whole season eventually by the end of it, like in reruns. But there were definitely a few Tuesdays I missed. Also, I mean, it was, you know, Tuesday was a school night. It is a little hard in, in my late high school at the time. It was sometimes harder to remember to watch something as opposed to a Sunday night. And like the part of the system was, oh, it's Sunday night. I'm about to go to school. Uh, so 
to comfort me into the next school day i'm gonna have the simpsons to entertain mm-hmm. me uh to get into that yeah it is a shame because i think season three could be the best season of the king of the hill and it didn't get didn't get noticeably worse no, uh no. but uh most people missed it and i missed most of it and so that's why these episodes are so special to me season three especially because i saw them on dv for the first time or on fx for the first time in the early odds so i didn't see them when they were live and they god they're so good up next we have kevin o'reilly who says regarding gout High dose ibuprofen is actually my first line treatment for acute gout flares in young healthy people. The other meds are expensive or higher chance of high, uh, side effects. Also, diet modification can be helpful, but if you've had multiple flares already, you should be on allopurinol already. That would do more than any diet change. Mm, well, okay. They, what is allopurinol? Can, I guess that is maybe one of the uh, prescriptions they give to people. But I, I, I'll say, you know, I ate some, I ate some red meat over the holidays uh, since recording that episode, and I did not have any negative reaction to it. So I think my diet change and supplements have helped a bit. Uh, oh, good. So yeah, I, uric acid levels are low. Uh, hopefully so. Yes. Yeah. Though I'm not, I'm not going to risk it with any more meat uh, for a while. But yes, I ate, I ate. Blood Bloody steaks two days in a row and uh, did all right. Good, all good. Right. So, but thank you, Kevin, for your suggestions. Red meat is a sometimes food. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody, go CEO. You'll learn. You'll learn. Uh, moving on to uh, Talking Futurama, Love and Rockets, and uh, Blake R says, "I was probably one of many who watched this as a youth way before 2001 had entered my cultural peripheral vision. I remember seeing it for the first time with some friends, and when Dave was working on shutting down Hell by pulling all those tabs out, I went." Hey, I want a free ticket to Six Flags. Two looks of bafflement. <laughs> this is the danger of watching the car- the parody before the movie. Yeah, I I watched 2001 because Simpsons did a million references to it. So by the time this episode aired of Futurama, I was familiar with 2001 and, and knew the references. <laughs> that reminds me, going back to The Shining, uh, it's not ruined because of The Shining, although I saw The Shining like 40 times before I saw The Shining, but it's hard to not think of the, the corollary <laughs> scene. But also it makes you realize like what a great parody that is because they mined everything they could out of like the six minutes of that parody. And the one thing I noticed this time was in The Simpsons, there was a joke of threes and that Homer axes down three different doors to deliver a different line each time in the in the shining he axes down two doors the first door he's like wendy i'm home and i'm sure in his head he was like god that wasn't good okay i got one more quip (laughs) second door is here's johnny so they were they were doing a parody of that specific thing and that he didn't have a good quip the first time i think it is probably the best uh best parody in a treehouse uh length they ever did on the show he also did like little pig little pig let me in yeah. Oh, yeah. He's oh, you're right. There were door. three. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Third time's a charm, right? Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Thank you. No, I mean Silverman got all the angles right too in that scene as well. Like, or in that whole clip. Also, the the hard the smash cut to the whole family frozen together. That is such a great parody of that shot of Nicholson in the movie, too. which is funny. That yeah. is that it is a laugh yeah. shot. <laughs> yeah. After all the tension, just to see him looking like a frozen caveman, just a frozen corpse, just like. Rrr. And the audience did did laugh at that. Yeah, <laughs> I can forgive that. Uh, moving on, hey, a friend of the show, Drew Mackey says, "Okay, okay, hear me out." P. Christ is, as you say, very edgelord, and there is an argument to be made that it was designed specifically to stir stuff up. But if you just look at the photo without any context, it's beautiful. 
it's an image of a crucifix in this beautiful golden color. And I think you can see this as being about natural beauty and God being in everything, even something you might think is profane. In other words, conservatives are more interested in complaining than they are in seeing the God they claim to care about. Hey, God yeah. made you and God made your pee. Yeah. yeah. And to <laughs> quote Life in Hell, if God is everywhere, does that mean he's in the toilet? Think about it. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, that did give me another reason to look at the piss Christ. I haven't I haven't really thought about piss Christ in a while. <laughs> uh, but yes, thank you, Drew. You yeah, have a very good you, point Drew. there. Yeah. And moving on to our final set of comments uh, for the What a Cartoon Movie for December, Tokyo Godfathers. Nina will start us off with her own comments and uh, also an editor's note about how good her comments were about the localization. Yeah, I didn't want to make Nina reread the entire thing, so I just took out two of the best uh, quote uh, paragraphs. Uh, read it in your best Nina voice. <laughs> okay, uh, so I said... Uh, this is part of what I said. I left a very long comment. Yes. <laughs> I kept adding I kept editing and adding to it. I'm sorry. Uh, I said, a big one uh, I wanted to bring up, though, is I don't think Miyuki's mom is Christian. I guess the English dub decided to have her going Jesus. But in the Japanese dub, Miyuki is definitely approximating a Buddhist prayer compared with this. And I posted a, a link to a, a Buddhist prayer. And the way her mom is posed in the flashback is a Buddhist prayer pose, too. I know the movie never strictly says what religion she is. Uh, I'm pretty sure about this. Making her Christian is an interesting choice, though. Also, also, I was very happy that the new localization translated, quote-unquote, Kuso Jiji better. Hana does indeed get riled up at being called Jiji, which is uh, grandpa or Greek geezer. So the old subs making that, quote-unquote, fart takes away from her being angry at being misgendered quote-unquote pops is way better yeah no nina gave a lot of great uh comments on the legislation thank you for the questions i yeah i commented saying like oh i wish too. i was like sitting in on this episode because <laughs> there were so many things i could have clarified or corrected or explained yeah well yeah like in when she's imitating her mother's prayer like you said uh, in the english dub on the dv on the blu-ray she's saying jesus jesus but yeah also the way she's like moving her legs is more i guess of a if you're mocking a buddhist prayer not a christian prayer i suppose too right yeah. the legs well yeah she's like kind of shifting her legs back and forth uh the when miyuki is imitating her mom not not in the flashback when she's mm -hmm. kind of making fun of her mom's prayers yeah i don't remember what her legs yeah. did but it was just more like the, the the tone the cadence of her prayers definitely sounded like a buddhist prayer to me and in, in the in the japanese language like you can tack the word kuso onto like anything to make it an insulting like version of that mm -hmm. word mm -hmm. and you see that a lot in like manga and anime and it's like impossible to translate yeah it's and tough. like in one piece they do it literally which is not great but i guess it's just like the most like direct localization in which a guy is called like kuso gg like uh like hana's called but it's like hey shit geezer or whatever which is literally or, like, what it is crappy it, geezer or whatever it sounds weird in english it does sound weird yeah <laughs> no nina had a lot of great ones i appreciate it again thank you for especially when i was asking about the translation for okama that was used in the in it and updated much better in uh the to the recent dub of it yeah, yeah. It, it's like you brought it up but it's such a, a hard word to translate because there's no direct translation i i think like if i had to choose like one catch-all translation for it it would be the word queer because that has been used as a slur in the past but also it's been reclaimed as well so it can be good or bad depending on on the context and like lately there's been some discourse about the word queer as well like oh, a yeah, bunch of yeah. tourists saying like oh well, you shouldn't use this word it's bad but <laughs> yeah. it's way more complicated than that and like every every decade there's like someone trying to say you shouldn't use the word queer and it's usually uh not for great purpose yeah no i on that 
topic i feel like if if so i i can understand if somebody says don't call me queer that's not my label but if you're trying to tell someone you can't call yourself queer or don't use that to refer to where you go on the kinsey scale let's say that that's wrong like you can't tell someone to not what the label they want for themselves in that and also yeah i i personally like the label of queer like it's i i am gay i say i'm gay but queer is just a great umbrella term for like and a unifying term too for lots of different people uh the lgbtqia plus persuasion i i I prefer it to the all of the letters to be honest it keeps getting longer and longer too and like yeah yeah like i said like turfs don't don't like it because like it includes uh trans people absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the 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 whole point of it is that and but yeah it was nice and and on that topic i really love that the new dub is much better with trans people the 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 american english dub than it was before in the yeah. 2003 version. It really yeah. shows the uh, how the baseline understanding of trans people has changed in the past 20 years. Absolutely. And, and that's yeah. for the best. Uh, moving on, uh, for our final comment for this episode, uh, Kat Hegberg says... Thank you so much for doing this. The podcast itself was a, such a fascinating listen. And if this hadn't been the movie for this month, I probably wouldn't have watched it. But my husband and I did on Christmas. And it was one of the best movies either of us has ever seen. You literally gave us our favorite Christmas gift. Oh, thank thank you. you. I hope more people give this movie a chance because uh, I don't think it's his most popular movie because it's the most down to earth, but it is my favorite and I love it more every time I see it. And because of the new dub, I got so much more out of the experience. Uh, And for such a long time, at least if you're in the United States, very hard to see like you. It was relatively unavailable. And now also I was like, well, people should watch. You know, check it out and it's free on YouTube, but if you can afford it, the YouTube version that's just hard subtitled, that's not the best way to watch the movie if you're going to see it with English subtitles on it. You know, uh, so I'm I'm really glad we we helped some new people discover it, too. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, though, if you can't afford a thirty dollar Blu-ray and you have to watch the YouTube version, just understand it's coming from 2003. Yeah. And yeah. go into it with that knowledge. <laughs> and I, I think you'll understand. Yeah. I still can't get over. I said it on the podcast, but that Google auto translate for the word Okama made it made it the F slur. I couldn't mm. believe that, that I was like, Google Translate, I expect better out of you, automated machine. You racist robot, you're homophobic robots. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> but but yeah, no, uh, I mean, yes, uh, RIP to Satoshi Kon and Keiko Nobumoto. Yes, yes, uh, fantastic movie they both made. So yes, thanks for listening to Talk to the Audience, everybody. It's been a, uh, a roller coaster of a beginning of 2023. <laughs> we are 24 hours away from the uh, performance of our uh, first yeah, live show. hours from from right now uh, yeah. and I'm sure it went re- really fine I'm sure none of us froze up on stage uh, <laughs> no crazy person entered the uh, theater and started screaming weird things about COVID it was all fine and lots of laughs to be had and lots of posters were sold and a good time was had by all and of course Matt Christman charming as always I'm sure yes, yes. <laughs> uh, Nina any final thoughts well, I just hope that the venue piano fight goes on forever and ever and ever. Yes. <laughs> no, we just received news like hours ago that it's going to shut down in March. Jeez. Oh, well, hey, they've been a good venue to us all these years. I, so. I think it was like, you know, I think the understanding is after what, six Talking Simpsons shows, five, they're like, the building can't withstand that much comedy. It's an old building. <laughs> Any more live shows, it'll just fall apart. So yeah. we understand. taking a big risk this year as it is. Yeah, too many laughs. <laughs> you guys did bring the roof down. Hey. Oh, no. I hope, I hope it stays up <laughs> yeah. in that 113-year-old building when we're performing there <laughs> in 24 hours. But yes, thanks so much for listening, folks. We'll see you again next time for another episode of Talking Simpsons and or Talk to the Audience. Take care. 
infotainment.